Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Glenn Hughes, and this is Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Phil Cohen from Death Hunter. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Episode 363 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 363, we are joined by two veterans of the Iron City Rocks podcast. We have two-thirds of the G3 tour, uh, which will be coming into the Pittsburgh area to do a show in Greensburg on February 11th. Uh, but going all across the country, so I'm sure it'll be of interest to many of you. We have Joe Satriani, who is no stranger to the show, I'm talking about his new album, What Happens Next, uh, as well as the G3 shows. And we have joining us again uh, Phil Collin, who will be uh, bringing his band Delta Deep on the tour with him. Uh, so we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So first we want to turn our attention to the master Joe Satriani, the founder of the G3. Uh, the man has been doing this for, for decades now. A new album, What Happens Next, coming out uh, later on this week. Actually, I believe the on the uh, 12th of January. A really cool album. He's uh, released several singles from that already uh, that I think uh, most of you have probably had a chance to listen to. Uh, really a great uh, mix. And uh, he talks in this interview about kind of where his mind was when he wrote the songs, working with Glenn Hughes in particular on this, uh, as well as Chad Smith on drums. So really cool Um to get a chance to talk to him about that. So we're going to play a little bit of uh, some music from what happens next. We're going to get into that interview with Joe Satriani.
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Joe Satriani joining us. How are you doing, Joe? Very good today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, I'm going to start out first um, talking about actually something that your son was involved with, um, the Beyond the Supernova documentary, which um, had a nice film festival debut earlier uh, in the month. Can you talk a little bit about the project and, and how it kind of came to light, etc.? Yeah, that was uh, just a fantastic weekend we just had uh, with the film debuting at the Mill Valley Film Festival. Um, it it uh, finally, I mean, it, these things take a long time, and it was really a year in the making. I invited my son Zizi out to film some background footage for what I thought would be uh, an end-of-tour uh, concert DVD. And... Uh, you know, it was a, it was a good m- a moment as well for him to take a break from some of the work he was doing and just mm. sort of hang out with the crew and and uh, me and my wife and and uh, have some fun in Europe on tour. Uh, but we started to catch some really interesting footage, and uh, as the months followed after that particular leg of the tour. Uh, I started to feel like I didn't really want to do a live concert DVD. I'd done so many, and um, they they're extremely expensive, and uh, it they're not really um, they don't really move in the marketplace like they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even the the biggest bands out there and artists uh, sell very few, and so you know from an artist's point of view, it's a huge expense. Uh, and you think, well, I should be spending that on making another album, you know, right. instead of documenting old stuff, you know. Um, and plus, everybody films every concert anyway, so you know, you you know that basically people go home and they've they've got their own stuff um, filmed on their phones, like mine's ringing right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's quite all right. Uh, that's a quite a ring, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. It's what I, not quite what I would expect from you, but yeah. <laughs> but um, so um, so uh, as we keep looking at this footage, uh, Zizi and I start to brainstorm the idea that well, maybe there's there's something else going on here that would make a much better film than just us playing, you know, greatest hits and some new songs, and. Um, what he wound up uh, discovering was that there was this very interesting narrative that was coming out that had to do with the fact that I was coming to the end of a creative cycle behind the the, the then current release, the Shockwave Supernova album, which had its own narrative about me, you know, facing up to a kind of alter ego that had been uh, growing since the beginning of of my, you know, somewhat overnight success and um, how I was trying to get rid of it, you know, and when I was making that album, I kind of uh, ramped up that whole observation and sort of fictionalized it in a way, uh, almost like it was a a story about an artist whose alter ego becomes so real, it really starts to take over the real personality and Mm. and they have a a sort of a battle, internal battle of... uh, of wits until uh, the real artist finally wins out and convinces the alter ego that they have to surrender, you know. Uh, that's what that whole record was about. And it was an interesting artistic device to organize, uh, you know, a, 
a big group of instrumentals that would have a, some kind of narrative threat. I think the surprise was is that at the end of the tour, I realized it was more a little bit more true than what I had thought, and that the artistic turmoil, you know, it wasn't really a problem. It was, it's what we call fun, you know. Mm, sure. <laughs> uh, it it um, it became obvious, I suppose, to Zizi that there was a lot of this turmoil going on, and I was working towards trying to shed or at least come to grips with that alter ego uh, enough so that I could move forward, write a new record, and take you know another left turn in my career that would be exciting. And that became the 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 narrative of the film. Um, and he he came up with this title and and uh, this approach to capturing what really happens on tour because he's been following us around since he was four years old and you know the the shows and but the the camaraderie the behind the scenes along with this internal struggle that I carry with me while all this other stuff is happening and uh, I, the, the film really captures it I, I was so happy just sitting in the audience at the Lark Theater on Saturday uh, listening to all the, the theater goers around me you know laughing and uh, cheering at the right moments in the film when they were really picking up this stuff that had to do with the, the heart and soul of the movie and, um, and it, you know it confirmed that Zizi did in fact find the real story and and brought that narrative out which is not easy because you know we're not actors or anything we were, sure. we're just a bunch of goofy musicians so <laughs> how how is that you know the feeling I mean you've got to be kind of two two emotions there I'm guessing as you're sitting in the theater watching that one has got to be in you know, a great deal of pride um, in your son you know for producing the film but you know the kind of the humility of, of seeing yourself as you know the focus of a film it, it, you, do you is that awkward watching yourself on a screen like that? Yes, extremely awkward. Um, uh, I don't like hearing the sound of my voice, uh, you know, coming back at me, and certainly uh, the image is really hard to take. But I, you know what? I, I this goes back a year when Zizi started to show me the footage he was getting. Uh, I know that he was wondering, you know, is my dad going to let me show him like this? Yeah. Um, and I looked at it and I thought, this, you know, this is like, I'm, I can't put on an act in front of my own son, so this is what it has to be. I have to let him get on film what he's actually seeing, and he's seeing the truth. So it was just I had to take a deep breath and say, yep, that's me. Warts and all. <laughs> the real one. And... Um, so I, I've had 12 months to kind of get used to it, <laughs> and um, but it's still a bit tough. And I tell you what was e it was very exciting, you know, after the film, walking on stage at that little theater, uh, being interviewed uh, by one of the uh, the film festival uh, uh, journalists, uh, standing there with my son. But I was like nervous standing on stage without a guitar, yeah. without my band with me, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, it wasn't lost on me that that's part of what's captured in the film is this uh, this struggle of a of an extremely shy person that somehow has got this extroverted side of him you know that right. 
that that I use to to allow me to play music, you know, and, and how I depend on it. But when I don't have that guitar on, it's really I'm a fish out of water, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that, that's that's a great point. I think a lot of people assume, you know, you're you're a musician, you're born to be on stage, you know, you you must thrive in the the spotlight. But it's, you know, there are a lot of people you meet uh, yourself. I know Eric Johnson, for example, very quiet man. You know, to talk yeah. to you, you know, and it's it's a profession that unfortunately makes you a you know a celebrity. You know, those who are you know fortunate enough to become successful, you become a celebrity whether you really want to be or not, as opposed to just a musician. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So you are, are going to be releasing a new album in January, and um, obviously that's always a kind of a new chapter, but um, you know, for this time you went and you're working with Glenn Hughes and. Uh, Chad Smith, obviously, you've worked with before with Chicken Foot. Um, what was the decision, you know, to kind of use them as a band, or was it just availability? I know you worked with the guys from the Aristocrats quite a bit on the last album. You know, how did this band of sorts come together? Um, I I think this goes back to um, the last two Chicken Foot shows that we did uh, up in Lake Tahoe, and they were, you know, the usual out of control crazy chicken foot events you know no rehearsal we just everybody flies in from what they're doing the other bands that they're in and uh, we just agree to be, try to be as awesome as possible for the fans mm-hmm. and it's kind of a celebration of the the idea of chicken foot more than it is a professional <laughs> show right. you know and there's always cameras around and everything it's just it's always a bit of a circus but once we start playing, there is um, a connection between the four of us that is really strong, and and I notice it right away. And I remember thinking as I was on this last half of the the uh, surfing the shockwave tour that the memory of those gigs that happened like right in the middle of the tour uh, was really strong. I was like I felt it like. You know, like you, you just walked away from a great party and, and your body still feels great. Like you still have the party in you somehow, you know. And I kept thinking, this, I want that to continue somehow. But I know that, you know, Chicken Foot is one of the most difficult bands to tie down and to organize. It's like we just can't be organized, you know. Sure. Uh, part, part of our charm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I was thinking, you know, Maybe this is, you know, what I'm trying to do next, because I kept asking myself, what are you going to do next, Joe? What's what's going to happen next? And I was thinking, well, if if that's where I'm feeling, you know, if that's the, the natural inclination is to relive that somehow, but with new material, um, then maybe it's Chad. Maybe that is the thing that I, um, you know, I've been through the last three albums, had three different drummers on them. And I'd been searching for something, and each time I made an, an album, I, f- I felt very complete. Like, okay, I've done that with that group. Now let me move on to the next. So I was beginning to feel the same thing, and so I just sort of sent a random text to Chad. I knew he, he was out in Europe with the Chili Peppers, and I said, "How about this? You know, you, me, and it just popped into my head. You know, Glenn Hughes." Uh, rock and soul all instrumental no weird time signatures (laughs) but have lots of fun and you know make a rock record and uh you know he 
sent me a positive response right away. Yeah, let's do it. Let's figure out how and when. And uh, so then I had to reach out to Glenn and, and uh, ask him to do it. He he was also ready to do it right at the drop of a hat, you know. But we we had uh, you know Chili Pepper touring schedule. We had Black Country Communion and and Glenn Glenn solo stuff to deal with. Um, so as it happened, uh, two weeks from me finishing the tour in Asia, I had to fly down to L.A. and and record with those guys. That's how quick it was because it was the only time in 2017 that I was going to get them in the same room together. Right. Uh, so instead of, uh, you know, waiting a few months, uh, I, I just had to make it happen right away. So it added, I think, to the, you know, the excitement of the, of the sessions. Do you, uh, did you have the songs kind of mapped out prior to that period of time, or did you all write collectively, you know, when you were in the studio? No, I brought them... Material. Uh, I had actually sent them uh, all twelve songs as demos okay. that I had recorded at home. Uh, but the real work, you know, came from when I returned from Singapore um, at the end of the uh, Surfing the Shockwave tour. I just had to get so busy. I literally took like a day off to try to recover from the jet lag, and and then I just went into my little studio and I just started cranking out these pieces. Um, I had tons of, you know, uh, half songs written. I had a few that were completely written that I, I wasn't quite sure if they fit, you know, the mm-hmm. the overall group. But um, yeah, within a week, I I really did have to pull that all together and then send them the the demos so they could get prepared because they were also, uh, as I mentioned before, in the middle of gigs. Right. Now, so, did you? Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Were the songs do you, when you put them together? Do you think in terms of here's you know here's the rhythm section I have? Um, you know the the you know you've obviously played with with these guys before, know them personally in, in their work. Do you does that influence? Do you think you're writing for the material at all? You know their yeah, style. Yeah, I, I I like um, I love the you know the mental image of the actual band that I'm going to be recording with. Mm-hmm. Um, to help uh, bring out um, special performances, um, you know, let's say if you have um, if you have a song like Energy that that leads off the new record, and and um, uh, you, you know you're starting to arrange it, and you have a drummer, let's say that's very timid, you might think, well, this isn't really going to work <laughs> sure. for this guy because this the so much of the arrangement of the song depends on not only the drummer but the bass player all being superstars it's like it's a it just sounds like you know guitar bass and drums everybody going for it all at once and so if you had a band that really didn't shine that way then i think uh, i would definitely rearrange the song so as not to expose that and to try to bring out what is uh you know their better attributes the song, you know, remains the song, but we're talking, I mean, your question really begs uh, the answer as it relates to the arrangement, let's sure. say, or the exactly. of, the, of the composition. I definitely take that into account, and boy, you know, once I knew that the, these guys were going to be standing next to me in the studio tracking, then I felt like I had carte blanche when it came to super high-energy, outrageous, you know, rock star performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, soul, groove, uh, you know, which, again, I mean, uh, 
you know, uh, Chad has got one. He's one of those drummers that is equally uh, super rock as he is super funky, and you know, he's the kind of guy that can just create total mayhem in the drum kit. Uh, but at the same time, it, he realizes that some songs need the deepest groove ever, and he just makes everything sound so human and natural. You know, it's never methodical or, or overly technical sounding. Um, although he has complete command of what he's doing, he just he always makes it sound like the drummer you want to hang out with, you know. Yeah. And uh, and Glenn is the same way. He just he his singing voice, his musical heart, and the way he plays bass—they're all one. They're just—it's really I've never met a bass player like that, where, where they're just so completely unified in all aspects of their musical being. Um, I could tell this one little anecdote about Glenn, which is which uh, I mentioned to people because it's it's really so important. <clears throat> you know, it's the first album he's ever done where he's he hasn't sang. Yeah, and, that's um, a great point. It's a, it's a really interesting little thing that just popped up in the middle of the the sessions, but he couldn't help himself, you know, because he'd be sitting there and we'd be going over an arrangement or something, and he'd just be singing. He'd just be making up new melody lines or answering my melody line or harmonizing and all of it was great I, there were so many times where I thought oh this should be a vocal record we just need like a month you know yeah. to <laughs> rewrite yeah. everything and then I just started jotting down uh, everything that he was scat singing you know and I thought this all these ideas are really great and I know that he he's not playing them because he doesn't want to you know crowd me you know mm -hmm. he's being respectful so I wrote him down, and then when we were doing um, one afternoon, we were just reviewing all the bass performances. Um, I I would bring up you know that that piece of paper, and I'd say, Hey, Glenn, you know the other day when we were doing this song, you were singing this line in between my melody, and I thought it was beautiful. I said, Could you play that? And he goes, Okay, well, what what did I sing? So I, you know, sang the line to him, and he just played it like instantly. And it sounded just like his voice, except on the bass guitar. It was so freaky. And so Mike Fraser and I looked at each other like, oh, we got to record all this stuff. So we... we <laughs> I think he was quite amused as we had him record all of his vocal uh, tidbits, you know, in between my vocal lines. And uh, we just said, yeah, just go go crazy. Go Glenn Hughes over the whole thing, you know. Um, so it was fun. And... and you know, I never would have done that uh, with other musicians had that not been part of their natural musicality. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a long way of answering your question. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Band into account. Yeah, with Glenn Hughes, I think you 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 you're, you're dealing with something kind of different. You know, you you some of the greatest bass players in the world, but he's you know equally on people's list as one of the, maybe the greatest voices in rock. Um, so you know, it's it's kind of a in a mixed bag, you could have easily turned this into a, you know, another super group, uh, you know, had you thrown some vocal tracks on and, you know, branded it as chicken soup or something. Um, you know, you could have been, uh, you had everyone excited for that. But, it, I, you know, I think you look at that lineup and you think, wow, I can't wait to hear, you know, the interweaving of these players. And I think that's what makes it fun. Um, kind of a, a maybe too soon to answer a question, but do you have a, a touring band lined up for the you know the G3 shows you're going to be doing, or is that still trying to iron out the schedules? 
I'm actually trying to iron that out at the moment. Um, a number of the people that I was considering are still trying to work out their schedules. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, reeling from Saturday evening's performance. We, we played uh, to celebrate the release of the movie uh, or, or the debut of it at the film festival. We did a small gig at uh, a little 200-seat club in Mill Valley, and uh, it was the last performance, you know, with, with Brian, Mike, and Marco, myself, as a four-piece. So it was mm -hmm. bittersweet, but it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I think, but you know, maybe in a week or two, I'll have it all worked out. Awesome. Now, when when you're touring, I mean, do you kind of the G3 shows are they kind of extra fun, more stressful, less stressful uh, from a you know the ringleader perspective? How do you feel going into those tour versus you know just a you know surfing with the shockwaves kind of thing? Yeah, you know, uh, physically they're uh, they're a lot less strenuous because uh, I'm not required to, to be on stage for two and a half hours plus, you know, mm -hmm. which has always been, um, you know, the the most difficult part of those shows is the fact that I just have to play so much guitar every night. Um, so the, the G3 shows are just a little bit shorter, and you'd be surprised. You shave 20 minutes off a show, and, you know, my left hand really appreciates it. Mm -hmm. Sure, I can <laughs> um, because you know we'll do six shows a week and we'll play for eight weeks straight, so it it uh, it piles up after a while, you know. Absolutely. And uh, so that part of it's kind of cool. Uh, the other thing is that we we generally get to play cover songs uh, on the G3 shows, which we n almost never do during uh, the regular concerts. We're really trying to bring as much of the uh, of. Uh, of my catalog to the fans that's what they've right. come to hear you know so um we don't get to celebrate you know all those crazy cover songs that you love to play um and, and the g3 is more of a celebration of the guitar and it's less about the career that's happening for each right. uh, person at the moment you know um, which is liberating for all three of us we we get to kind of relax a little bit um, once in a while, one of us will have an album that's coming out that same at the same time. Which in this case, it's me. Um, but it it moves around. I've done so many G3s, and and only a few times have I had a new record. Sometimes it it might be you know John Petrucci or Steve Vai or mm -hmm. whoever else we have out with us at the time. Um, I get very excited about the thought that every night I'm going to be shown up in some way you know like in this case i know that uh it's either going to be phil or john they're going to do something on a random tuesday night and it's going to make my head turn <laughs> yeah and i'm going to go wow i love that i've got to ask him how he did that <laughs> when the show's over and um so that's just the kid in me you know that just wants to play guitar better no matter what and and so i still get excited about that and um uh, you know, I don't know Phil that well. We've just spent maybe a week together doing the, the G4 experience, and I got the feeling he's the same way. I know he's an amazing player and a, a great human being, and he seems to really love music. Uh, but I've had a lot of experience with John, and John is just like me, just a kid from Long Island who loves playing guitar. So once we get started trading secrets and ideas, it's hard to pull us apart, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I noticed that one other connection, but you know, John is obviously quite into you know fitness and things. And Phil is obviously a fitness freak. You're going to have to, you know, probably get up with him and run in the mornings. You know. Oh, that's terrible. I know. I'm going to have to institute sort of like a no fitness rule for just for the tour. Yeah, <laughs> catering. Like convince them to. Uh, you know, eat potato chips like I do on a regular basis. But, yeah, I, I could see catering is going to be a smoothie bar for those shows. <laughs> it's but, going to be difficult, you know, because John is a heavy meat eater, mm. and Phil is a vegan. Yeah, He's like twenty years a vegan. So yeah, it should be interesting. <laughs> make sure John doesn't eat Phil; he'll be all right. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I'd be remiss uh, this being thirty years to the week to ask. Um, since the release of Surfing with the Alien, um, you know, looking back at, you know, the last 30 years, um, it, it probably seemed to go so quick in some respects. Um, does it still kind of shock you daily? I mean, did you were kind of one of the first, you know, at least of, of this generation of guitar players to really, you know, make a, a living doing instrumental music. Do you, do you think about that at all? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, not for a second do I ever take it for granted. I mean, uh, I wake up every day just thinking like, wow, you know, I, I'm still excited about making music on the guitar, and that's exactly what everyone's letting me do. Um, I've had great relationships with the the two labels that I've dealt with that, that I've almost been one. Relativity was the, the first label that signed me with. It quickly was absorbed by Sony, and I've been with the Sony Group uh, for a very long time since, I guess, ninety late '95. Um, so uh, they've been a great help to me because they've uh, always come to the table saying, "What do you want to do? How can we help you do it?" And um, that's great because I've always thrived when I've been able to just kind of work on it on my own um, and then reach out when I need you know, advice on how to get things done. Um, and that's what big labels are great at. You know, they have right. a group of talented people that have so much experience that, you know, uh, if you're looking for a balalaka player or, you know, right. you, you know, you, you have questions, uh, technical questions, you know, there's somebody, uh, at legacy Sony, you know, who can answer your question and make something happen for you. So, um, and, and also sit there and listen to you just like, you know, throw out crazy ideas, you know. So um, I think uh, it has, th there have been moments where it seems agonizingly slow, and then there are moments where I want to say, slow down, this is so much fun. I, I mm, you know, I exactly. have a feeling that it's going by me so quickly. Um you know the the bad moments are always those technical moments, and things are always going wrong. I, I, no matter what business you're in, just stuff goes wrong. Uh, and so there's always problem solving every day. You know that we all go through, and so those tend to drag out the moments. Uh, I think when it comes to um, you know making the music, uh, I still really love all about you know everything about that. The traveling part is can't that's when you start to question your very existence <laughs> yeah when you're stuck on the tarmac somewhere you know in russia or something and you've been there for four hours and or you know your gear stuck somewhere else 
Yeah, yeah, you know, you're stuck in Mumbai and and the plane, and you've got to get off the plane and stay in some hotel for two days. You don't have any luggage, and you're just going like, why am I here? You know. Um, but that kind of stuff uh, just comes with the territory, you know. And I've always found that you know that that um, the salvation comes from the people around you. There's just it's almost always the case that there are interesting and kind people around you where you can share the experience with and, and you know that's all we got we're here for a very short uh, amount of time you know life is short and uh, we're all in it together so um, it's during those moments where I realize it's important just to reach out to whoever you're with share the experience and then it's not so bad Excellent. Well, Joe, I want to thank you uh, for your time today. Uh, the new album, What Happens Next, comes out January 12th, the night before the G3 tour kicks off in the U.S. Uh, we'll be catching you on February 11th in Greensburg. So we wish you all the best with the release of the new album, and we'll see you in just a few months here in Greensburg, man. Great. Thank you so much. All right. A thank you to Joe Satriani. Again, the new album comes out on the 12th, What Happens Next. Uh, we can catch him when he comes in to... Uh, do the uh, G3 show here in, in uh, Pittsburgh and Greensburg in particular. Uh, we're going to turn attention now to uh, Phil Collin, who is also on that tour. This is his first G3 tour. Uh, his band, Delta Deep, which is his blues band, have got a uh, live album called East Coast Live coming out on the 26th on Frontier Records. Um, that band uh, features on vocals Debbie Blackwell Cook, a uh, fantastic vocalist, uh, bassist Robert DeLeo of the Stone Temple Pilots, as well as uh, Forrest Robinson. Uh, now, Robert DeLeo will not be doing the tour. Um, I apologize off the top of my head. I don't remember the name of the bassist who's going to be doing those dates with the band. Uh, but really, uh, really kind of a gritty sound the band has. Uh, Debbie's got a fantastic voice. And Phil really kind of goes into some different areas in his playing. Uh, than what you're probably used to hearing him play like. So really a, a really, really cool album. Uh, if you go back in the uh, to our podcast page on ironcityrocks.com, uh, we interviewed uh, Phil and talked about their band's debut album. You can hear some samples of the music there. I'm going to play you a little bit of Delta Deep here in just a moment. So uh, I think it's going to be really cool to see him in, in a setting like that. We're so used to seeing him in the big arena with Def Leppard. Um, it's going to be cool to see him in some uh, some theaters and such in the United States. So, without further ado, here's Delta Deep's Phil Collin. City Rocks from Def Leppard. We have Phil Collin on the line. How you doing, Phil? Wonderful, thanks. How are you? Doing very well. Um, I guess the question uh, out of the gate, um, 
how did you get involved with with, with Joe? I know you did the uh, convention last year with him, and now doing the G3 tour. How did how did you get involved with him? Um, that that was pretty much it, really. You know, I was asked to to do the G4 thing, and um, yeah, Tommy Emmanuel was playing, Paul Gilbert, uh, Warren D. Martini. We done that. We had such a great time um, that, that when the the G3 tour was was you know becoming a, a real thing, Joe just asked me if I'd be up for doing that because. Um, Again, you know, we had so much fun doing the G4 mm. thing, you know, doing all the seminars and playing together and just jamming in general. So, um, you know, and uh, apparently, you know, I brought, brought a different um, element to it as well. You know, it's, uh, it's slightly different to what normally happens. You know, we're mm. doing a lot of, lots of I, I obviously sing all the time. You know, I, I come from a, a band that, you know, it's, it's very song orientated. Um, so it's it's really cool for me because I you know I get to play guitar do, doing this and and also do some of the songs as well just doing it in a different context. So uh, that was it really. It was just um, it just kind of broadened the whole thing. And, and plus I'm a rock guitar player and a, sure. a lot of uh, instrumental guitar players and not so much you know like hard rock players and, and you know I'm kind of like a pure rock player as well. So that kind of again you know it's a, it's a, a different element that kind of just. Just helps make the whole thing just just interesting all the time. So. Sure. Now, did when you um, are comprising your set, and I know you're still a few months out from the first show, but are you looking at doing, um, you know, maybe some Def Leppard material, some Delta Deep material? Or are you going to do pure instrumental? Um, a bit of both. I think you know, really, because it's 35 shows in 38 days. So mm-hmm. if if you were singing every night, you'd be going, "Oh my God, that's going to kill me." So. Right. Um, I think it'd be a bit of both. You know, Debbie Blackwell Cook's going to come out and, and do some Delta Deep stuff. Uh, Forrest Robinson's playing drums on the thing. Uh, Craig Martini, who usually plays with Paul Gilbert, he's playing bass because uh, Robert DeLau, who normally plays in, in you know, Delta Deep, got, you know, uh, STP stuff coming up. So sure. he's going to be not around. But um, So I think it's going to be a mixture of all. I think we'll probably change the set around. We'll do... I think I'm sure we'll throw some the odd Def Leppard thing in, but um, you know I'd I'd really like to do some some instrumental stuff as well. You know I was a huge fan of of kind of like '70s fusion stuff, and right. um, you, you, you know Return to Forever, your Stanley Clark, and all, all of that stuff, and and Jeff Beck, you know. So I think it'd be kind of nice to to throw elements of that in there, or even even to do you know some of that stuff I'll definitely do some Delta Deep stuff and I'll I'll sing the stuff you know we've got a a live album coming out January as as well so um, you know I'll I'll be doing that and there's there's a Def Leppard instrumental or two floating out there so we'll probably throw that in there but I think constantly we'll just keep keep revolving the set around and and, you know basing it on that really and just having a lot of fun with it now, as a guitarist, uh, I think everybody kind of dreams someday of doing what Joe did with, you know, surfing with the alien and doing it as a flat-out instrumental. Um, does this, you know, do you have a comfort level with doing full-on instrumentals? Or I mean, if you put together some over the years that maybe we haven't heard, um, or is this, you know, you kind of got to woodshed some instrumentals now? No, I mean... I, I absolutely I've been playing them you know a, a bunch obviously of, of my whole life you know I actually got to play with Jeff Beck last year as well and and, and that was that was really funny because then he you know he said uh, can you come up and sing something so I went up and done um, Superstition like, you mm-hmm. know, Stevie Wonder, which Stevie had wrote for Jeff Beck initially and um, 
so you know it ended up being kind of songs as well so I, I, you know it's a bit of both really I'm, I'm totally comfortable doing whatever so no. it's uh, you know I've spent so long in the studio that, that just getting out there and whether it's instrumental or not I, but but in the back of my head I'm you know I'm a record producer as well so I always kind of go if, I, if I'm being indulgent or overindulgent I, I want to kind of pull it back a bit so there'd be some arrangements in there as well so mm-hmm. I think it'd be just a, a lot of everything and I'm, I'm totally looking forward to it because I, I like just mixing up and having a hybrid anyway right. you know you, you mentioned Joe's album Surfing with the Alien it was um, that was the first time someone had actually as a rock guitar player brought, brought something um, to a you know a new level really it was like kind of it, it crossed over you know, people who, who weren't necessarily rock fans could dig it. They could hum along. They could sing along to the the stuff. It's, it's very melodic. It's, it's great what Joe does. Um, I don't think he gets enough um, respect for that because you know a lot of guys just go out there and play, and it's, it's, it's you don't. It's not memorable with Joe's stuff. He kind of hits on themes and melodies and songs. You know, even if there's no lyrics in there, it, it's it, it kind of you know hits all, all those all the right things. So. Um, you know, surfing with the alien was, again was was very a very unique album because it, it it totally crossed over and it was a hit record as well. So it, you know, it sold well as well. So it, it ticked a lot of boxes that one. Yeah, it certainly did. And you bring up a great point about you know the the melodies. You could walk away from surfing with the alien and sing the melodies, and you didn't do that with a lot of the, the you know the, call them shred albums of that era. Right. Shows, you know really rose the bar or raised the bar, I should say. I think because you know he's an artist. There's a, there's a big difference between an artist and a musician. You can you can be an artist and also a musician, but you're not necessarily an art a, an artist if you're a musician. It doesn't work that way. So and mm-hmm. Joey's both for sure. Um, you know, talking of that, you know, I, I, I released a, a song just earlier this year because when I done the G4 thing, um, I, I done a song called Yo to Joe. And, Joe played on it, so we're, mm. we're actually playing together on the record. So that, that's, it's out there on iTunes, and I'm sure it's on YouTube as well. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be uh, playing that that next year as well on the tour. Certainly. Um, do you, uh, it, at least from the outside, looking at your your personal career over the last few years, it almost seems you're busier now than maybe you were ten years ago. Is that just because of the avenue of the internet to get you know material like Delta Deep out, or is or are you bu- intentionally I'm, busier now? I, I'm busier than we've, we've ever been in our lives. Um, we literally just got back from South America and, and um, Mexico. We, we were touring down there. And uh, we've only been down there once before, Def Leppard. And I think that uh, just a lot more opportunities are uh, coming up. A lot of bands are disappearing. Um, you know, this yeah. is a, original members. This lineup, you know, Def Leppard has been playing for 26 years. And... Um, so we, we're constantly out there, and I think that everyone's, you know, up for 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 doing, you know, more more touring. Everyone's kind of loving it, and the fact that we've got so much better as a band, you know, we we're, we're always really singing. It's not like you know, samples or stuff like that. It's, it's, that's really singing. So we we get better all the time as a band, and um, and I think that that really shows with with, with people who come to the you know the audience. They go, mm-hmm. wow, they can tell a difference between that and somebody that's not totally live and you know all these all these songs and everything so it's um yeah we, we're definitely busier than, we, than we've been in probably 25 years yeah it, it certainly seems that way you know you guys had a fantastic album in 2015 uh, you've got the delta deep stuff um now when def leppard when def leppard approaches a tour and i don't know how much you get involved with this but uh, if maybe you could shed some light 
it always seems that Def Leppard, you know, in the last 10 years has been very, um, maybe bucking the trend of doing a completely homogenized, you know, 80s, you know, hair metal tour. You guys have toured with, you know, classic rock artists. You've toured with some, you know, other 80s bands. How much decision goes into that as far as what you market the band? You know, what audience you market Def Leppard to? Um, I, you're always, it's who's who's available out there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other thing. And again, like I said, there's less and less bands out Sorry. there that, that are valid. A lot, a lot of these bands go on, on these uh, package tours and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, it's slightly different when when you're you know we we have two diamond albums, two albums that went ten times platinum in, right. in the states. And uh, there's, there's a there's a, an elite kind of bunch of bands as well. Like Aerosmith would be one. And um, again, and we just toured with them. They were playing some of the shows in South America with us. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that was that was killer. So um, yeah, I, I just think um, there's less and less available. But it, it's pretty obvious who, who you're going to tour with. You know, there's right. a, a very short short list, and it, and it comes to you, and it's like, well, what do you think? And uh, right. Howard Kaufman, our manager who just passed away, would, would be amazing. It'd, it'd go, oh, you should tour with with these guys this time, and you know, he suggested the Kiss tour, which we right. had a blast on. You know, that that was really cool. And um, yeah, but it's 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 becoming more difficult. I gotta say. Sure. Now, um, you mentioned about the Diamond albums, and one can't help but look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees again and, and see a glaring omission there. Does <clears throat> Does that enter into your mind? I mean, do you look at that nominations when they come out and, and get ticked off like the rest of us fans do? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't personally. You know, I think it's um, it, it's like anything else. It's like you you can't like you, you shouldn't really read the comments, uh, you know, on your Facebook page or, right. or Twitter or whatever because you'll get very upset because you know what what's what's out there's not. It's not really relevant in in some cases. So I, I think something like rock and roll Hall of fame, where there's it's people who are trendy or the, the people who choose these things perceive them as trendy. And it makes them look kind of a certain way. So yeah, I, I really wouldn't be bothered with what anyone thought. I I had a, an amazing um, Ian Hunter, you know, the, the, the singer who sings in, used to sing in Mott the Hoople. Ian mm-hmm. said a great quote to me ages ago. He said, "When you when a man reaches fifty five he actually stops worrying what people think about you or what, what people say. And I thought, what a weird thing. What do you mean? He said, well, you really won't care if a 20-year-old is judging you because, you know, you've, you've got this life experience and all of a sudden it's irrelevant. So the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all of that stuff, Grammys, whatever, it falls into that category. It's great if it happens. If not, it really doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of more fun and, and more exciting to... Um, to express yourself artistically, I, I, that honestly is a, is a huge reward to me. I, I, I love the fact that um, that the band's still touring, and, and each year we go out on tour, and there's, there's actually more people coming to the shows. It's um, I find it fascinating. But you know, the, the more work we put into it, um, <laughs> the, the more we get out of it. Funny, funny it would work that way, but uh, yeah. you know, that's okay. that's really really what happens. And I think a lot of people stop caring and they they stop trying. And I think that it, it, it's pretty relevant that, that, that the more you care the more you put out there and the more you uh, show up and, and make the effort the more you get from it and yeah. you know that that to me is, is, is way more important the fact that the our band can you know we were in Mexico City just a few weeks ago 
and we were all sitting on the couch backstage and I said, how many bands do you know that have been together for nearly 40 years could all sit on the same couch backstage before a show and, and actually hang out and enjoy talking to each other and it's like, there's not many, you know, especially at that level. So um, that's that's a blessing as well. So, you know, there's, there's so many really, really great things that are, way more important I think you know yeah I, I had to, to laugh in watching some of the controversy surrounding you know who will play you know if Bon Jovi's inducted who would play if Kiss was inducted and thought to myself you know maybe the lack of a con- you know some sort of controversy over who would show up for the Def Leppard induction might be <laughs> the downside maybe you don't generate enough tabloid it's too clean you know? probably yeah you probably someone we've we done um we done this documentary once and it was really amazing and they said well there's a problem it's like there's there's no conflict with you guys you're not arguing you're not fighting you're not shouting at each other and yeah. it was all just a bit great because you know our, our substance comes from trying to make great music you know it's, it's it really and, and it's kind of boring in, in that kind of respect but um, that's really what we do you know yeah. we, uh, that's why we'd, we'd spend three years in a studio Trying, trying to make records and stuff, you know, which we've done a number of times. And uh, we've got that down, by the way. You know, we, with the last Def Leppard album, we've we done over over a year period and we went in three different kind of a, occasions and, and recorded. And um, and I just finished producing the new Tesla album. We've we done that. You know, they've been actually out on tour with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would run backstage, you know, before sound checks and stuff like that. You know, we've got half an hour a day or we've got, got an hour, we can do a bass thing today or, you know, what, yeah. whatever it was. And it really worked. And then it turned out amazing. That, that'll be out next year, probably next spring. How much does that, you know, working with, with other artists, working with Delta Deep, um, doing the G3, how, how much does that keep you interested as a musician to, you know, do the Def Leppard thing, you know, so that you don't, it doesn't become stale? I, I think it, it, you constantly evolve as, as a human being as well as, as an artist and, and you, you're just constantly learning things you, you, and I love that you know it's, it is a learning curve and you know I haven't even started is the way I look at it and um, any, anyone who can kind of um, you know I, and I do have a very humble approach if someone can show me something or I can learn something from from a you know just from playing with someone or even watching someone it, it's uh that's a big deal to, to to me, and it still is. I'm I'm still a, a fan. So, yeah, I, I love the fact that you you know that that diversity and and kind of different kind of ways to approach songs and just life in general is is just definitely the way to go because it's otherwise it's mm. uh, I kind of uh, ego driven and and it, you know you're just listening to your own playlist over and over again. It's kind of yeah. like it gets a bit boring. So it's uh, it, it's cool to to get out there and, and kind of. Yeah, the, the more you let in, the more you'll let out. So, you know, if, if it's reading books, traveling, you know, I make a point of whenever we go in, travel anywhere, of, of getting up and, and going out and seeing seeing a city, even if I'm just on my own. It's, it's kind of cool to do. And that, that really has an effect on, on your muse. And, and you know, I, I read books, I, I watch movies, I listen to various types of music, and it all, it all really helps. It's... Uh, I don't have enough time in the day to, to kind of um, get out what's in my head. It would drive me nuts, you know. Mm-hmm. But I certainly never have any writer's block issues because it's, sure. uh, it's constantly stuff. 
Right. Um, I find it kind of interesting uh, with the G3 lineup. One of the first things that kind of hit me, you know, aside from from you and Joe, uh, John Petrucci, who is an avid weightlifter, uh, and yourself. Um, and I asked Joe in, in, uh, last week, actually, you know, what do you have at backstage catering for these guys? <laughs> you know, you being a vegan, and I believe John is is you know obviously yeah. the big meat eater. Um, do you guys uh, kind of talk about, you know, when you're traveling with the musicians, do you guys kind of compare, you know, health tips and things like that? I'm sure we're going to. I mean, that would be awesome. I, I can't wait for that, you know. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I, I just changed up my whole workout regime. You know, I, I had a, an injury about three years ago. Um, from, you know, I do Muay Thai kickboxing, and I, I actually... I think I was overtraining, you know, with, with boxing drills, just hitting stuff way too hard, and, and my tendon tore off the the knuckle, off the bone. I actually wasn't actually even working out. I just put my hand on the floor and it just squelched. So I had to have it stitched back on. I couldn't play for six weeks, and uh, that that was kind of weird. So um, absolutely. So you know, when you when you get to talk to other musicians, you do kind of stuff that's um, you know, that, that health or, or kind of fitness or it's, it's really nice to, to compare notes and it's like yeah. wow this, this happens and it's like wow so yeah I'm really looking forward to that yeah yeah, I think in your line of work with, with you know the travel and, and you know I'm sure you know if you pick up a phone you could have almost anything that the temptations of eating bad on the road have got to be very high so you know obviously it would be cool to to talk about someone else's, Absolutely. you know, kind of walking the same path through, you know, wellness and health. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's really cool. Does does with kickboxing and being a guitarist, I remember seeing in an interview Joe did decades ago, him saying, you know, he had to be careful, you know, washing the dishes before a tour because, you know, if he cut himself on a knife, it could mess up the whole tour. Do you get you know, nervous about that with kickboxing at all? I mean, obviously you had the hand injury. Does that kind of creep in your mind now when you do it? it well, yeah, because I, I don't do that extreme anymore i just i just do um workouts before i used to train and there's i think there's a huge difference between doing a workout and training you know i used to just really hit it hard not not just literally but just the 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 kind of routine so i've actually um i've been working out with this guy called eric the trainer in la and he um he gets all the guys ready for when they're doing movies like a superhero movie or whatever Mm -hmm. and there's, there's, there's ways of doing it without hurting yourself and, and that's I'm, I'm basically doing that and I, I, I love the idea of just kind of changing it up all the time Yeah. but um, yeah I, I can remember Rick Savage I mean you, anyone can do this he was he was cutting a tomato we were recording an album in, in, in Dublin at mm-hmm. Joe's house and he just looked up and went and, and the, oh. the tip of his finger came off and I'm, I was like oh my god and he couldn't play for like weeks you know, so he's doing other stuff, but it was it was so easily done. So, yeah, um, yeah I think s- certain things you 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 know to avoid. You know, when I first started doing karate years ago, I, I kind of um, I was trying to do some spinning kick before I knew how to do all this stuff, and fell over and sprained both wrists. So I, I kind of was a little more careful after that. So, mm. yeah, I think you, you you just learn how to to not get into those situations you you try and avoid them but you like i wouldn't go skiing yeah for, for that reason but you know I, I think um you know i take care of the other thing you know if, if i'm doing like boxing drills I'm, I'm i'm only hitting light you know i'm not like kind of pounding on it so it's yeah. uh it, it's just so yeah you, you you kind of change it up a little bit especially when something like that happens 
Yeah, I mean, you think about you know your left hand, and, and between that and your voice, are kind of your livelihood. You know, you can maybe absolutely you get by with a, a messed up right hand, but a le- messed up left hand, and, and you're in trouble. Yeah, that it was the left hand actually. It was, and we we were just about to start a tour, and the the funny thing was we um as a Def Leppard tour, we had all the guys that were opening up for us. They all had killer guitar players, and and my I, I kind of limped through this couple of weeks and, and it was almost like each time I'd bend a, a note with my pinky um, oh. the, the knuckle would pop on my second finger and it would sound like I was, I was going like I had Tourette's on the guitar I was like, <laughs> going and playing all these weird notes so um, by the end of the, the, the three weeks I was actually okay I just kind of figured a way around it but you know we had John Norham was playing he's, he's yeah. amazing Slash was playing uh, Red Beach and Doug Aldridge were we're, they were all in bands. I mean, I actually gave a, a a disclaimer. I said, if you hear any weird things, you know, in my guitar playing, it's because this. And I showed him this knuckle popping back and forth. So it was a bit weird until I got it fixed and then yeah. stitched up. And uh, but yeah, it's it quite funny. Oh, awesome. That's that's a good story. I mean, it, it certainly it would be a concern. Well, Phil, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, again, your the G four or G three, I should say, starts in January. Uh, you'll be in uh, Greensburg in February to do a show at the Palace on the 11th. So we look forward to seeing you when you get to town, and and who knows, maybe we'll see you with Def Leppard in in 2018 as well. Well, we are. We're, we're Def Leppard. We kick off, and we're doing about a year long tour. It's going to be a, a a super long one, actually, next one. So um, yeah, that'll be after that, you know. So we'll awesome. get on that. But I'm really looking forward to the G3 thing. Looking forward to seeing you guys, and it should be fun. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, and have a have a great day, man. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. A big thank you to Phil Collin, Def Leppard, and Delta Deep. Uh, new album coming out on the 26th. Also, again, Joe Satriani. New album coming out on the 12th. What happens next? Uh, both of you coming into Greensburg to do a show at the Palace Theater. Great place to see a show. On the 11th, they're going to be with John Petrucci, um, who I will say the last time I saw John Petrucci do a G3 show was just breathtaking. Uh, incredible sounds that man gets out of a guitar amplifier so really just fantastic night of total guitar geekery uh, if that's even a word um, so there's still tickets available for that you can head over to livenation.com get those tickets and uh, enjoy the show invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com we're on facebook youtube twitter and instagram we're all forward slash iron city rocks and you can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com Till next time we want to thank you so much for listening